0: Free Trips Ahead is brought to you by RedTag.ca. Plan your perfect winter trip today. Can I tell you about the stupidest thing I ever did at a border? It was a long, long time ago. I was living in Vancouver. It was Super Bowl Sunday, and my girlfriend and I decided we would drive down to Bellingham, Washington, and go shopping while our boyfriends watched the game. We had a full day of retail therapy before heading back over the border. When we got there, the customs officer asked us if we'd bought anything, and we said no, which was stupid because obviously we had, but that's not the stupidest part. He asked us to pull over to the customs terminal, but my girlfriend, who was driving, thought this was optional and she just headed back out on the highway. Well, the alarms went off, sirens were wailing, several police cars peeled out after us, and we were understandably and quite rightfully detained. They searched us, they took the car apart, they impounded the car, and of course, they took our shopping. Running a port, as we discovered, is a felony. It's a federal offense. But in the end, we were not charged with anything because being phenomenally stupid is not a crime. I'm Maureen Holloway, and this is Three Trips Ahead, the travel podcast that focuses not so much on where you're going, but rather how you get there. Why does everyone feel uncomfortable at border crossings? Even if you have absolutely nothing to hide, all you want to do is visit another country or get back into your own, but for some reason you feel awkward or guilty or scared, and why not? You are being evaluated by people who do have the right to refuse you entry or to detain you if they don't like the cut of your jib. I'm going to assume for the purposes of this podcast that you're not a terrorist or a drug smuggler or an international person of mystery. I'm going to assume that your main concern is whether you can travel with two passports or a bag of weed or some Hungarian sausage in your suitcase. The answer to that, by the way, is yes, no, and I don't think so. We're going to talk about what you should and shouldn't do when crossing into a foreign land or how to deal with unexpected situations. guests today. The first is Robin Esrock, an adventure travel writer who's traveled everywhere relatively safely. Robin, you have a really interesting story and a very unique impetus to your travels. Do you want to tell me what happened to you that sent you on your way?
1: I have traveled quite a lot when I was in my early 20s. I backpacked. I had the travel bug. Um, And then I chased a career in web development and in publicity. uh, And none of it was really going where I wanted it to go. And, you know, you you talk about taking this year off to go traveling around the world. Um, You hear about people who do it, but somehow it never seems to be you. Um, And you wonder, like, you know, how how could I even take such a giant leap? Um, And fortunately, somebody else decided to take it for me. Um, I was on my way to work and a car went through a stop sign, didn't see a stop sign and drove straight through, um, I was riding a scooter and it drove straight into me and I broke my kneecap, got a $20,000 insurance settlement about eight months later. And it was really the big wake up call that I needed, um, to, 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 to think about, you know, that, that could have been it. I mean, the, the accident could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot more hurt. The pain was excruciating. Mm. Um, but it was, without doubt, the best thing that's ever happened to me. The, the I could call it the luckiest break of my life. Um, because, you know, we just need these these wake-up calls. We need these reminders. And that dream of traveling around the world for a year, uh, suddenly I had this chunk of money in my bank account, and everybody had an idea of what I should do with it. Um, and so I thought, you know, let me take this money and go traveling. Um, I'd just come out of a long-term relationship. There was no nothing holding me back. My career was definitely not going where I hoped it would go. Um, And so sold all my stuff, put everything in storage. My friends and family thought I was crazy because I was 30, which now I think was so young (laughs) but back then seemed very old to be doing that kind of thing and set off to go and effectively tick off what we'd now call a bucket list. Although in 2005 bucket lists weren't even on the cultural horizon yet. Um, And I ended up traveling to 24 countries on five continents. So the idea was to, Travel to the places, and it wasn't really like I wanted to see the Taj Mahal and I wanted to see Machu Picchu. It wasn't kind of like that at all. It was more like I wanted to go to these certain countries, and I didn't even know why. Um, I wanted to have be as loose as possible. Um, so I, there's a, a ticket, the Around the world ticket, which is still a great deal in modern travel, um, which allowed me to go to these five continents on an open ended ticket. And at the time, it cost like five thousand dollars. Was amazing. Wow. Um, wow. And yeah, starting off in, in Peru, I ended up going to Bolivia, um, Argentina, Chile. And of course, every, everyone you meet along the way, they, they say, are you going to Brazil? And Brazil wasn't even on my radar. Um, but so many people were raving about it that, of course, I went to Brazil and I ended up spending a month there. <laughs> and then from, from there, I flew back to Lima and from Lima, flew to uh, Prague, I believe. Wow, that's, uh, that's a jaunt. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I did these crazy cultural shifts. Um, you know, going from, then did whole like Eastern Europe side of the world and then went to uh, Dubai and then Turkey and then India, um, then Bangkok. So the, 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 the the shifts were all quite dramatic. Um, and along the way, I somehow became a travel writer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You've been to over a hundred countries on seven continents in your lifetime, and I assume you're still counting. And, uh, What's, uh, what's for lack of a better word, what's the scariest border crossing you've ever experienced?
1: Uh, for the most part, I've been pretty good. Um, Paraguay comes to mind. Uh, I was in Porto de Guasu, so in the south of Brazil, Um, Where you've got those magnificent waterfalls that shares the border with Mm -hmm. uh, Argentina and Paraguay, Um, and I'd heard about this crazy market in Paraguay where you can, there's like AK-47s and bazookas, and (laughs) he's like, yeah, I heard about it. I didn't know if it was real. And you could hop on the back of a motor taxi, so with some guy who's who's riding a motorbike, and you're on the back, and you kind of go to the border, and you you never, (laughs) there's a lot of guns and a lot of people who look like they're ready to use them. you know you nod you don't make eye contact too much we we got through i noticed a lot of people with one leg for some reason there were a lot of amputees and and i found this market which was like something out of a movie it was uh you know it was quite there were some amazing crazy things in it um yeah you know, i think about um in like uh, india russia ukraine some of these places are a little a little funky for some reason i get flagged in cairo my name is on some some list i don't know why um but every time i go to cairo i get pulled pulled aside you know having a canadian passport is an amazing amazing thing and this is something uh, you know having traveled on a south african passport for a lot a large part of my life and then switching to a canadian passport it's just a different experience altogether um and when you're on a desirable passport and come from a country that's got good standing in the international community, Um, you're you're, you're kind of, I find I have a lot less issues. Interesting. So
0: have you ever been scammed at a border?
1: I mean, I was just in in Australia and I went to an independent principality in Western Australia. There's a fantastic story about this guy who declared a sovereign state within Western Australia. And they've got a bunch of these places. And his state happens to be like an 18,000 acre farm. Like it's bigger than some countries in Europe. Um, and it's an amazing story. And you kind of cross a border and they stamp your passport and you pay five bucks and you get a visa. And, you know, <laughs> um, I wouldn't call that a scam, but it, w- it was fun. And it, it, you know, the, the scams usually come with the roadblocks. Right. I just did the most amazing, had the most amazing roadblock experience in Bali because um, it's notorious. So the police there are just notoriously pulling aside uh Uh, foreigners on scooters. uh, And I was riding the scooter with my wife and the two kids, so four of us on the scooter. And we we were for the most part, we were were living kind of in a neighborhood where, you know, we were living as locals um, for about five weeks. And uh, we went for a kind of little adventure and there was a a roadblock and I was like, don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact, we can just get through this. Ah, but My my daughter looked at the Ah. the guy and he called us over and he pulled us aside and he took us into this back room and he started demanding our our passports, which you should never, ever give anyone, obviously. Um, And then he, he said, you know, you could give me $50 now and then you don't have to. I don't, I won't have to confiscate your passport. And, uh, you know, I've been through these things long enough to know that you just be calm. And I had the kids with me and my kids are amazing because you know, they melting down <laughs> yeah. So I put melting two young kids under five and in, in front of him. Why are they screaming in his face? And I said, <laughs> sir, do you understand that I'm a guest of the minister of tourism, which I wasn't. And, uh, and just, you know, Made it put up enough hurdles in front of him to make him think I'm wasting my time, I may as well just get the next tourist who is just going to cough up the money without any issues. And they let us go.
0: Wow, so it's interesting to note that uh, most of your experiences with officials scamming tourists haven't necessarily taken place at the border. I want to talk to you more about passports, Robin, but first, here's a message from our sponsor Are you looking to travel? Redtag.ca offers Canadians access to a wide range of vacation packages, flights, cruises, hotels, car rentals, and destination activities. From last-minute getaways to trips planned months in advance, Redtag.ca has the technology and expert knowledge to give travelers the best prices available. Whether you prefer booking through a website, via phone call with an expert travel agent, or through our app, thousands of unique travel options are available through redtag.ca daily. Plus, air miles collectors can now earn and redeem points when booking through redtag.ca, helping travelers save even more. Redtag.ca experts know what travelers need for their vacations and will help ensure you have all the proper documents and tools to make your trip as perfect as possible. They help you plan your perfect trip every step of the way. Redtag.ca combines great people with great technology to ensure each customer experience exceeds your expectations. Visit Redtag.ca or call 1-866-5REDTAG to plan your perfect trip. Having two passports, should you travel with two? I have a, uh, an Irish and Canadian passport. My sister has Irish, Canadian, and French, and she travels with all of them. But I've also been told, no, if you leave the country with one passport, you should definitely only travel on that passport. What do you know about that?
1: Um, my wife is Brazilian, and so when we, she kind of leaves Canada on a Canadian and arrives with a Brazilian, um, because a Canadian passport for Brazil, you need a $100 visa. Right. Um, and, and it's a pain in the butt to get. So in that sense, it works really well. You use it to your advantage. Um, generally, I mean, with with water crossings and things like that, you try and keep things as simple as possible. And you always tell the truth if you can. You <laughs> know, you don't, don't over elaborate. You don't need to, to get into a, a big saga about why you're going, where you're going. But as long as you're telling the truth and you're being straightforward, uh, there's nothing anyone can really hold you accountable to having the two passports i mean i think the biggest worry is if they get stolen um and there's two passports to replace um you know if you leave one country you've just got to make sure that the country gets stamped in is the con- the passport you get stamped in is the passport you get stamped out mm. um and you, know, and you know even in that situation they go oh we don't have an entry for you and then ah oh, sorry it's the wrong passport you it's not illegal to have two passports right. and you shouldn't you shouldn't get any grief for it. Um, you know, some countries I know that if you get one uh, nationality, they won't let you have another one, and that's the case. Like um, I think with South Africa, even I, I gave up my South African passport um, because you can only have one passport. Mm. And if it's a choice between traveling on a passport that's viewed in light like, with Syria, and North Korea, and one that's <laughs> that <laughs> one that's uh, I think an Irish is the best passport to have. Irish, Irish and French. Yeah, they
0: just came out with themselves. Canadian is seventh, I believe. So in seventh. terms of number uh, of of uh, countries that you can get into. Without a
1: visa. Uh, that's without a visa, but also just to kind of, you know, Canadians don't give much problem. Well, typically, unless you're now in Saudi Arabia or China, Canadians, <laughs> you know, have, are generally very well liked. And so when you see a Canadian passport, you go, oh, it's Canadian. Nice. You know, when we see an American passport they have a different reaction. Absolutely. Or, you know.
0: So what about this this tradition we have, certainly Canadians have of, of you know, wearing the our flag on our backpacks. And, you know, certainly for my generation, uh, to put it baldly, it was simply to make sure people knew we were not American because the states tend to be more involved in, in scuff, scuffles all over the world And Canada has been traditionally. But I've also now heard that you should actually cover your passport and not proclaim your nationality. Uh, What do you think about that?
1: Um, If you're worried that it's going to kind of earmark you as a target for some reason, the the less information anybody knows about you, the better. So I think that it shouldn't, it it depends where you're going. If you're going to Western Europe, you're going to South America, um, I wouldn't see any kind of problem whatsoever. In fact, it's a great thing to put on, certainly if you're backpacking, because it's definitely starts a conversation. And like I said, ca- Canadians have such a good reputation that people like Canadians. And, you, you know, you basically walk around saying, hi, I'm, I'm somebody who's, who's cool. And, and <laughs> you know, I'm not a threat and I don't have any political views that you hate. And you know, it's something I think that you can over worry about it. I mean, certainly if you're going to the Middle East. Yeah. You know, not such a great thing to do. Um, you know, some uh, um, travelers, when you get an Israeli stamp in your passport, they give you the option of putting it on a, on a detached page mm-hmm. because some countries, um, some, some Islamic countries won't let you in if you have an st- Israeli stamp in your passport. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's something to, to, to consider. Um, I proudly got an Israeli stamp in my passport and went to Tunisia and um, where was, was the other country, Egypt, I think. Maybe that's why they pulled me aside. Mm-hmm. Um, but never had a, uh, Indonesia, there was no issues. Um, I've never had any, um, I've never been to like Saudi Arabia. So I don't know, it might be a different experience there. I know it's it's
0: true. My, my son, when he was 21, spent a summer touring South America. And then we were traveling somewhere else and he had a, a visa for Brazil. I couldn't check him in. Uh, online they he had to present himself in person to check in at the airport and they obviously had flagged him because he'd spent the summer traveling around South America no other reason than than that which you mm-hmm. never know um Robin how important in this day and age and particularly right now where you know Paris is burning China is mad at Canada the, uh, France is a, a problem in general the Saudis don't like us how important is it to be careful or for like would you discourage people from traveling to France this summer for example
1: no not at all not at all um you know this despite what we read in the news the world is a lot safer and more welcoming and more stable than you know the news would have us believe i mean news functions on bad news on inflammatory news um if it bleeds it leads so we're, we're hearing about bad stuff all the time we don't hear about the good stuff good news doesn't make the headlines um, and when you get to these places as a tourist, you're seldom the target. I mean, unless it's a freak occurrence or you're traveling into a place you shouldn't be traveling. Tourists are seldom the target. The Authorities invest a lot of money and in infrastructure and security into ensuring that tourists are safe. Um, Because it's so important to the economy. You know, Mexico always comes up as a a good one. Every year, you know, there's a tragic story of a a Canadian who's murdered in Mexico. And inevitably, they start, you know, you'll see the headlines and I'm often called and, you know, is it safe to go to Mexico? And it's absolutely safe to go to Mexico. Um, The amount of Canadians that travel to Mexico, I mean, statistically, it's safer to go to Mexico than to go to a place like Paris. (laughs) Are you going to get mugged? You know, no. Can it happen? Yes. It can happen anywhere. Um, you know, there are hot spots. Don't go to the hot hotspots. Um, do tragic things happen? They do. But it's very, very, very rare. Um, as a tourist, if you're just going there with an open heart and an open mind and you just want to have a good time, I, I, I seldom expect any problems. And certainly it's been my experience that I've never had any issues.
0: I completely agree. And it's good to know that travel ultimately confirms that. Thank you for your time.
1: No problem. Thank you. Travel well.
0: Robin Esrock, travel enthusiast and international best-selling author. His most recent book is The Great Australian Bucket List. We also wanted to talk to somebody who's on the other side of the glass at the border. So we called on someone who greets you in a manner of speaking when you are arriving at Toronto Pearson International Airport.
2: Hi, I'm Tamara Lopez. I'm a Border Services Officer with the Canada Border Services Agency.
0: Okay, see, I'm already intimidated now. <laughs> Don't let the outfit fool you. I won't. I won't. But no, you're very authoritative. How long have you been in this job? Um, going on 14 years. Wow, really? Yeah. Yes. I'm. I'm surprised. You look younger than that. Yes. <laughs> the, the makeup helped this morning. I guess so. Now, as travelers, we don't know a lot about border officers, other than we're terrified of you. So, tell us who you are and. What you're taught to do. The the entire purpose of what happens out in Rigo, uh,
2: in Rigo, actually, Quebec, which is where our national learning center is, where all officers across Canada go for their training, is to learn about how to be an actual customs officer. They introduce you to legislation. There's over 90 pieces of legislation that a, a border services officer will use uh, throughout their entire career and on a daily basis. Uh, mm-hmm. We discuss things like uh, endangered species. Really? Uh, Trading of ivory, things that are... Prohibited in Canada, weapons. How to do a proper baggage
0: examination, and it's all very careful, and it's all it all follows procedure. It's not, yeah. Right, hey, I don't like the cut of your jib. Uh, show me what's in your makeup bag. There's, there's a procedure. Yeah,
2: people. I don't, do they still say "cut up your jib"? Well, That's I cute. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I like a lot that of, term. I, I got I, a I, lot I, of
0: anachronistic I, terms. It's
2: cute. My mom uses that. Uh, <laughs> definitely, there has to be in order to uh, if you were to go to court, for example, you'd have to be able to explain exactly why you had pulled over this particular individual. And that's obviously going to be based on legislation, maybe some indicators that were presented that did not make any sense. Uh, The story that's told to you, again, you wanted to maybe further uh, have a deeper understanding of what exactly is going on. Uh, That is how it happened. So based on some of the answers that are given to the questions that are asked, will determine whether or not the person will continue further through the customs and immigration process, or they will collect their bags and then be free to leave. That's how that works, because I can't just say it to a judge, I didn't like the person's jacket, and I pulled them over. Of course, that's there's no legal backing for that, so you'd have to make sure.
0: Good to know. All right. <laughs> Practical <laughs> knowledge, right? What should you do to hasten your, your uh, experience going through customs?
2: crossing a border. Uh, One of the biggest things, of course, is being prepared. So making sure you know exactly what you had purchased uh, abroad while you were away, having any sorts of receipts handy if the officer asks for them, completing all documentation. For example, the uh, customs declaration form, there's a form number E311, having that filled out. And if they ask to see any sort of
0: tickets, again, receipts, all of that, having that ready. What should you not or never do? What are some of the things that people sometimes do because they're nervous or they're worried? I mean, I've, I've got to tell you, Tamara, I, like most people, when I'm going, when I'm talking to you in a professional capacity, I'm thinking, I feel guilty. And I'll, and I'll break out into a sweat or, <laughs> you know, and I'll think, oh, I'm, sh- I'm sure I did something wrong and she's going to figure out what it is. But of course, that's ridiculous because I'm a total law-abiding citizen. So what should you not do? Definitely Sweat profusely?
2: Well, if you sweat <laughs> profusely in December or January when it's winter, uh-huh. uh, that might be an indication of something that's not... Kosher. Yes, good word. <laughs> Definitely be honest. If the officer asks you what did you spend, um, if there's some sort of a deceit or if there is intent to withhold information, then you're violating pieces of legislation. And of course, there can be fines or enforcement actions or repercussions for what you've done majority of the travelers are, again, like, we'll say 99% law-abiding, and then they're on their way. And it's, again, the 1% that maybe sweat profusely in December.
0: <laughs> but I'm curious. I mean, obviously, you know, terrorist activity, uh, th- that kind of thing is w- what you're certainly on the lookout for. But really, what most people are guilty of would be buying too much? Yes, definitely. The, the buying shopping. the wrong things?
2: Buying the wrong things. Okay, so if, for example, you had meat, Meat from overseas and other countries other than the United States is not allowed into Canada. Uh, so any
0: kind of meat, like sausage,
2: no sausage, okay. <laughs> no no meat. So there's no haggis, there's no blood sausages, there's none of that coming in.
0: Okay. What about smoked salmon?
2: If it is in a tin, <laughs> so seafood and fish is is normally perfectly okay. We do have an actual app you can go to. If you were to Google something called AIRS, A I R S, it's the Automated Import Reference System. And you can actually find out if the item you have is allowed in.
0: That's good to know.
2: Yes. And that's a that's website, A-I-R-S, Ayers. Yes, automated I import reference system. And it's a lot of, it's very simple, user-friendly drop-down menu. So you select your item, the country you're coming from, the purpose of what you're going to use it for, whether it be commercial uh, sale or personal consumption. All of that is there. And then it will tell you, do you need to have, for example, a permit to bring that item in or is it okay? So I brought in cheese from Italy, but it's uh, vacuum sealed, that would be That's perfectly okay. fine. Yes. What's, what's the, f- have you been on a
0: farm thing? <laughs>
2: Nobody ever really knows what that means. Um, the farm issue is soil it can be a vector, which is a carrier of, of pests and
0: disease, potentially. But where would it be on you? On the soles on your, of your shoes? Yes. Or? Ah, yes. Okay. And So
2: when you were walking around in these same boots here, we're not really certain what exactly is in the soil based on the farm where you've been. And again, if you're not going to go to a farm here in Canada, and we have livestock here, we have a lot of crops that we depend on. So if you start in introducing pests or, or things from farms say overseas, then that could be a concern for our economy here. So what uh, do
0: you do with people who say, yeah, I was at a farm in France. I was at a sunflower farm or something.
2: We actually have uh, a thing we can use to disinfect your item. So we would actually check the boots. I believe the item is called Vercon, and we spray it. And then we leave it inside of a... They have an area where you can disinfect it with this spray and then we'll give it back to you normally in a plastic bag. We do the same thing for bicycles too, that they come in. Someone has gone on a bicycle trip over in France, good uh, good uh, example. Then we'd also spray this with Vircon and it's supposed to disinfect and kill anything that would be foreign to us here. An example of someone bringing something over where it has caused a lot of damage when someone had brought over meat from England and there was mad cow and that was introduced to farms out in the prairies and a lot of the livestock died. And we weren't able to do a lot of export. And beef is very big for export for us. So that's huge. And this is the reasons why we might be very stringent and people get very upset when we ask you questions you might find confusing. Like, who cares about this farm? Well, we do because our, our job is to safeguard and protect the, the safety of the, of the Canadian public as well as our economy and our prosperity
0: here. It's serious business. It really is. The cannabis thing. I bet there's a lot of confusion about that right now. I know that you're you're meant you can't take it with you, and you're supposed to drop it off in a bin as you go through security. Have there is, has there been a lot of confusion about this, or is it fairly straightforward?
2: Uh, so when you are going through the through CATSA, which is a security that does the pre-board uh, clearance before you get onto a flight, I, I don't know what their regulations are uh, for the CBSA. It is still considered illegal to cross borders with cannabis. Um, It's still illegal, so you cannot bring it with you even if you have a prescription for medicinal. It is absolutely not allowed to cross international borders at all. Good
0: to know. Anything else you want to pass on? I mean, basically, it's be honest, be helpful, be prepared, be organized. Yes, we
2: always say be aware, declare. We have, of course, a website, cbsa-asfc.gc.ca, where you can go and find, of course, a lot more information based on the Canada Border Services Agency. And of course, AIRS is, again, a really great reference.
0: Tamara Lopez, it's been a pleasure. And by the way, when I said you're very authoritative, I meant that in a good way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I hope you like the cut of my gym, at I least. I do like the cut of your gym, Good. You. I'm glad. <laughs> thank thank you, you so much. Well, thank you for having me on the show today.
0: So what have we learned? When crossing any border, whether it's foreign or familiar, always be honest, as honest as you can. Remember, fibbers get frisked, and sometimes more. And remember, people are generally good, so as long as you travel with an open heart and an open mind, you'll be fine. But if you are in a pickle, stay calm and collected. Try not to boil over in the face of a scam, and, you know, try not to scam anybody else, especially at the border. That was three trips ahead brought to you by redtag.ca plan your perfect winter trip today at redtag.ca or call 1-866-5-REDTAG thanks for listening subscribe for free and leave us a comment to let us know what you think three trips ahead is produced by stephanie phillips and presented by the frequency podcast network for updates on our show you can visit frequencypodcastnetwork.com or follow at frequency pods on twitter Next week, we're hitting the open road.